Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the It Is What It Is podcast powered by the Riot Report. My name is Josh Klein. I am managing editor of said Riot Report. Today for you, we've got uh, the Panthers are off today. No no practice. Uh, the players were not in the building, but we were able to talk to general manager Marty Herney about kind of the whirlwind weekend of roster cuts, what he still thinks there is left to do on the roster, and uh, that, that harrowing 24 hours of F.A. Abada's life, what he saw in the guys that they picked up on waivers, and why they have not worked on extensions with Taylor Moten and Curtis Samuel. Um, I have some opinions about that, but I am just the disembodied voice doing an intro. So I will hold my opinions about whether or not to extend Taylor Moten and what to do with Curtis Samuel um, until the Riot Report daily newsletter. You should go and subscribe to that. And uh, there are my opinions. You can have them in there. And in addition to Marty Herney, you will also be hearing from Teddy Bridgewater and his best friend uh, since sophomore year of high school, Erica Cardona. Erica Cardona wrote a book, actually the second book in a series for children called uh, Little Bear Teddy is the name of the series. And it is kind of based on Teddy Bridgewater's life, although he claims that the main character is not really exactly him. Um, But, I mean, there are two gloves on the front, so you tell me whether uh, it's based on Teddy Bridgewater or not. And uh, it's based on, you know, his injury and what he took to overcome that injury. And now this big change in his life, I believe the new book is called The Big Change. As a matter of fact, you'll hear that from Erica and from Teddy. And uh, Erica gets really emotional at the end. Um, I would definitely recommend uh, listening to it and uh, and hearing what they have to say. And, uh, and we will ba- be back at practice tomorrow and we will have some fresh player interviews fresh coach interviews but before you listen to marty herney maybe just hit pause on this thing give us five stars on apple Podcasts, and tell them how handsome josh is i would really appreciate it and uh for now here's marty herney on it is what it is Hey, Marty, this is Brett Jensen uh, with WBT. From a general manager standpoint and evaluating talent, because there aren't the preseason games, how much harder is it from your aspect to maybe try and bring people in because you don't get to see them in person? Well, Brent, I think you saw league-wide. I think the number of claims and trades were down. I think there were 17 claims this weekend. Uh, Sunday at noon, we, we actually made three and the Giants had three. Um, I think that, you know, one of the advantages we might have had, like, you know, uh, Pat Stewart is, is here, our director of player personnel. He was in Philly. You, you know, we had Rasul Douglas and, and Sharif Miller. Um, you can watch guys on tape and get a feel. Uh, a guy like Sharif Miller didn't have a lot of tape. Um, but I think that around the league, I think people were probably more reluctant without being able to see preseason um, tape to, to make moves. But, um, you know, I think you got to believe your eyes and see what you see on tape. And, um, you know, we like the three guys we claimed over the weekend. And, and uh, you know, I've said our practices are such great evaluation practices that, I think it really helped us evaluate our own players 
And, and that's where it starts is making the decisions of who you're going to have on your 53 and who you want on your practice squad. Hey, Marty, it's Joe. Um, wondering if Eli Apple's ankle uh, issue is related to what he dealt with at the end of last season and what's your, your feeling on the severity of it? Yeah, the doctors have said no, it's not related at all. And, you know, we, we went back and forth, but we, we uh, you know, we decided to go uh, past the four o'clock deadline Sunday to, to, and then put him on injured reserve. So he would have some time to, to let everything get 100% and uh, be able to come back if possible after three games. Obviously, we did the same thing with Keith Kirkwood. And, you know, that rule is that enable to keep eligible to return after three games or, or you can bring him back whenever during the season. Um, you have to carry him until 401 Sunday where you have to make claims at noon. And if you get players like we did, we get three. We had to make three moves, um, you know, around 12, 31 o'clock on Sunday. So there was a little bit of a, a chess match going on this weekend with us. But, um, no, our doctors have told us that, that Eli's injury is not related to, to what he had last year. Marty. Mark Pilarte with Spectrum News 1. Uh, the, without preseason games and all the practices and everything that you've had to watch and try to evaluate, you're, you're an evaluation guy. Uh, you know, it, how much of a challenge uh, has this been for you? Because it, it goes back to pre-draft. It goes back to with, with everything. I mean, you've basically been looking at your, at your video screen as opposed to seeing guys up front. How much of a challenge has this been for you personally? Yeah, it really hasn't. I mean, I think that for one thing, I think we feel like, you know, the, the guys we had. And now, listen, we've had a lot of changes. You know, we have 28 new players on our roster um, and, you know, six were draft choices from this year. Three were on un, un, uh, drafted free agents from this year. Uh, I think we had seven street free agents, four waiver claims, one trade and seven UFAs. But I think, again, I can't stress how how um, how the way Matt structures practice in the competitive of it every day was such a help in evaluating our own team and obviously that's where it starts and then when you get to uh free agents i mean you know no we didn't have preseason games but we have been grinding through tape you know our our pro scouts pat pat stewart and matt allen and and uh rob hanrahan and luke keekley and james blanchard did a great job of grinding through the the tape and you know, it, it really wasn't it, – it, it, there was a lot of discussion, and we meet with the coaches, and we have a lot of communication, just like we always do. Um, and, and it just – the hardest part was the trying to, to get through the weekend with keeping as many good players as you can and uh, holding your breath a little bit about some guys clearing and being able to get – a player like FBO Bada through and back on the active roster, and then a couple of the younger guys on practice squad. Marty, it's Josh Graham. With Eli down and injured, I'm just interested in how you feel about the depth in the secondary, and do you do you view Chen as somebody who can play uh, safety if need if need be? 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, on Jeremy Chin, he, he's got great versatility. So we think he can play a lot of spots. Um, he has uh, come in. He's smart. He His approach is the same every day. Um, you know, he's got the physical skill set. So he's got a lot of versatility. As far as the secondary goes, and, and really particularly corner, I think is what you're talking about, is obviously that's been a position that we've been looking at to try to see if we could help upgrade. I think that Troy Pride has gotten better every week. Our, our defensive back coaches have done a great job with the guys we have improving them. We're, we're young there with Troy and, and Stanley Thomas Oliver in this year's draft. Um, Corden Elder has really done a good job and, and can play the nickel position. And, and we have Rasul Douglas brings add size and experience to us. Um, he started what I think 16 some games in in this league over the last three years, and we, um, you know, he's a guy that we had our eye on. That if uh, he was released, we would claim, and we um, we got him. So you know, that's an area that you're always we've been looking at to improve. But I think we'll just see. We'll see how it comes along. Marty, this is uh, Miles Simmons from Panthers.com. Uh, how do you feel about the depth right now that you have at tight end? Uh, I think that we think, you know, obviously Chris Manhurts is is uh, one of the best blocking tight ends in the league and his receiving abilities just improve every year and, and really has improved steadily through this camp. Ian Thomas, when healthy, I mean, he is, we really think that he can bring a skill set um, and you feel very good about going 12 personnel. He can, he's a Y who can block. Uh, I think he is a very good receiver who can do things with the ball in his hands. He's still young. He's still learning. But I think you feel good about those two. And then Colin Thompson, who we cut and then brought back. Listen, this is a guy who comes in, all the details, same guy every day, does everything right. Um, you know, we uh, – we still coming into this all season, we we're, we we're saying, you know, could you get a guy, a down the seam guy? Um, but I think that we feel good with, with those three, with Colin just being so reliable um, as the third tight end, as far as he's going to do everything right. And um, so, you know, that, that's something that that was an area that we looked at coming in to, to try to, uh, to find that that guy down the scene, but I think that we we feel good about the three guys we have for sure. Marty, this is Brett again. Uh, you brought him up a little bit ago with Luke Keekley. Just from his standpoint, obviously he knows football inside now. But how much did you guys have to train him in terms of like how to evaluate talent, what to look for? You know, I mean, was he a rookie like everyone else? You know, when they first take over that position. Not really, Brent. He did all that as a player. You know, that's that's what's so great. I mean, you know, he's doing the same thing here as he did when he was playing. Stay, stay until 9 and 10 o'clock and looking at guys and evaluating. And when you read his reports, they're so concise and they paint such a good picture. I mean, he, he really is. He's just got a knack. And that's what he did. He evaluated, you know, he evaluated all the offensive players every week. And he's got such a great feel for what, you know, playing defense takes is that it's uh, – he's, he's really hit the ground running, so to speak. 
Marty, it's Marty. Elena. It's um, I was wondering, just looking at this roster now, I know you mentioned cornerback as a position that maybe you would look to upgrade. Is there any other positions that you feel like still need to be addressed a little bit or mostly just cornerback? Well, I think you look at all of them, Lane, and I think that, you know, there's been a lot of questions asked about no preseason games. I think where the no preseason games comes into play is now we play Sunday and now we get our first evaluation, you know, under the lights, so to speak. So I think we constantly evaluate every position. I will say this, that, you know, I feel good. We have, we have nine offensive linemen on the 53 plus Chris Reed is on reserve COVID right now. We have 10 defensive linemen on the 53. And I always think that you have to be strong up front on both sides of the ball and you have to have depth on both sides of the ball. And we certainly have numbers there and I feel like we have some depth there. So I think that's a good start, but you know, this season is, is, is different. And I think where the, the no preseason games comes into play is that now Sunday, this is our first evaluation under the light. So we're going to, we're going to evaluate every week and, it's not just corner. We're going to evaluate every position. And listen, our, our, our corners could come out and, you know, they, they've done well in camp. Um, it's just with putting Eli on IR, we, we, you know, we were light one there number wise. So we brought in Douglas and we hope he can, he can help us as well. But right now it, it's going to be a continual evaluation process in, and uh, we'll get a better feel each week of, of, you know, what positions we need help at, if any. Marty, uh, Jason Huber with uh, WFNZ. What went into the decision with between Joseph Charlton and Corey Bedvik at Punter and, and keeping Corey Bedvik? How important is that in a year like this where you really don't know, you know, if, if you'll need another kicker? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about Corey is, and really it, it's one of the reasons we, we – brought him in was Corey can punt, he can kick off, and he can kick field goals. So if something were to happen late in the week um, to either Joey Sly or Joe Charlton, we could bring him up onto the roster for that week and, and get us out. So um, listen, we're, we're young there at kicker, we're young at punter. Um, I think that, that uh, Joe Charlton has shown that he's got an extremely strong leg um, you know, I went down and saw him live at, at South Carolina last August and, and he can directional kick and, um, you know, we'll see. he's a young punter, but, but we like what he brings and, and Corey brings a versatility, a, a versatile skill set that, you know, if something does happen late in the week, he's a guy who could really fill, you know, three spots as far as a kickoff guy, a punter and a, a field goal guy. Marty, can you talk about how the evaluation process will work with Greg Little this year when, when obviously your hope is Russell stays active and healthy? And then secondly, if you don't mind, kind of go. You broke up, Joe. Can you hear me? Hello? I can hear you now. Okay, yeah, sorry, Mark. Yeah, had asked had asked about Greg Little's evaluation, then was hoping you could take us through the kind of FAO Bada's twenty four hour period. Yeah, on Greg Joe, I mean, he really he has gotten better and better as the camp went on. It's almost like you know you you could almost look at this like his rookie year since you know he did miss miss time with injuries. He has worked extremely hard. 
Um, I think he's he's uh, much more advanced at this stage this year than he was last year. And, and I think Russell Okun helps him. You look over there and Russell will be talking to him and working with him all the time. Um, I think Greg's still got a very good left tackle skill set. And um, he has definitely improved as camp goes on. And we'll keep evaluating how he – how he does, uh, you know, every each and every week. But I think that he's got a very good approach, and uh, I would think that he he was uh, people you talk to would tell you he has improved every week. Um, as far as FA goes, boy, that was one of those that those calculated risks, I guess, that you hold your breath on for uh, you know a few hours yesterday, but. Um, we thought we had a chance to to get a young talented end in Sharif Miller Sunday at noon. And as I said, it's hard because you can't put the injured reserve guys that you want to bring back on IR until four. So you have to make roster moves. We uh, we rolled the dice with FA um, that he would clear. We told him, you know, we we as soon as he cleared, we wanted him back on on the 53. He wanted to stay here. Um, you know, that that was that was a tough three or four hours yesterday, just crossing our fingers that he would clear, but he did. And now we have 10 defense alignment and, and we have uh, two young players in Sharif Miller and, and F.A. that we really like as, as defensive ends. Marty, this is Miles. Can you the decision to keep all three quarterbacks on the active roster and kind of any conversations you guys have had about maybe putting one on the practice squad and quarantining or what went into that? No, nah, really one and land. We, we, we have, we have really been set on carrying the three for the whole camp and the two, the two young guys have just really done well. I mean, you know, they have different skill sets, but they both have performed extremely well in training camp. And um, I think, I, I, I think that, uh, we're very fortunate to have two guys that we really like. I mean, we're keeping three quarterbacks because we really like the two backups. So um, there was really no discussion at all about putting one on practice squad. It's always been that we are going to keep three. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as quarantining goes, I just think that quarterbacks, the whole team, we have to keep doing what we've been doing is, you know, social distancing, wearing your mask, be smart. And our players have done a great job at that so far. Marty, this is a hey, Marty. It's and I'm wondering what uh, did you initially identify in a guy like Miles Hartsfield? And do you anticipate that he could actually play more than one position um, in the NFL? Yeah, he uh, he really has come in and and been a guy. His son is a, a rookie free agent, and um, he has got. Uh, First of all, his approach is great. Comes to comes every day and just gives you the same effort every day. But he's got a skill set at safety, and honestly, he's got a skill set at running back. And um, he does give you some versatility in in a year that you you need versatility. So um, I do think he's got a skill set for more than one position. And every time we have given him a shot. Uh, either at safety or at running back. He's just showed up and, and done extremely well. Marty, I'm curious. You mentioned Russell Kung earlier as well. Um, 
when all that was going on early on, when everyone was reporting to camp and he was, you know, put out there possible hints of maybe retiring due to his health, health issues and everything else, how close did that come and how worried were you that he was actually going to retire? I, you know, I can't speak for Russell. I, I never thought it was close. I mean, Russell has been such a joy to have here. He's, uh, he's fit in and, and really become a leader of this team, like, extremely quickly. I think guys look to him. And I think that Russell um, likes what we're doing here. So um, I, just, I can just go off that. The rest you have to ask Russell. But we could not be more happy with Russell Kuhn. I think he's come in and, and really taken a leadership role right off the bat. He's a team guy. He's a very talented left tackle, and we're just thrilled to have him. Marty, it's Josh Bram again. I just wonder uh, if you have an update on Dennis Daly. Coach said yesterday it was day-to-day, maybe even beyond that. And if he can't go, how comfortable do you feel in Michael to step in, given his background with Coach Meyer? Yeah, I mean, we don't know about Dennis. We have to see as we go through the week and, and see how that goes. Um, I, you know, I just don't know. It's it's one of those those things that's going to depend how Dennis feels and and what our doctors tell us as we go through. They say that you know they ha- they'll have a better idea and he'll have a better idea as the week goes on. Um, I think you asked me about Michael Schofield. Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, he is Michael's a veteran who is a great technician and. Um, obviously he does have a connection with Pat Meyer and knows what Pat expects, but he's always going to make sure he's in the right position. He, uh, he's always, he's good with his hands. He's, he's, as I said, he's an excellent technician and we feel fortunate to have a guy like that, be able to, to, to go in there. If, you know, if Dennis Daly can't go, it's, uh, you know, we have Chris Reed on, on reserve COVID, but we still have, uh, we still have nine active offensive linemen, and that's where the depth comes in. I think that, you know, with, with the offensive line and the defensive line, I think the biggest thing to take out of this roster right now is that we feel like we've got some good depth up front on both sides of the ball. And as you guys know, I mean, you have to have that to have a chance in this league. Marty, did you – Hey, we'll take uh, – hey, we'll hold on. We'll take, we'll take uh, one more question. This will be the last one. Marty, hey, it's uh, it's Josh from the Rye Report. Thanks for taking the time today. Um, have you had have you had any extension talks with uh, Taylor Moten or Curtis Samuel? And could you update us on where those stand? And uh, or is that going to kind of fall away now that the season has started? Yeah, I mean, we 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 have not had any talks to this point, Josh. I think right now we our focus has been on trying to really get the the best sixty nine player roster that we can so um you know that's where we are and and we'll move forward from there but we have not so far no just start with a quick announcement okay so little bear teddy big change this is a new book in the series first book is big dream come true we came up with the idea of little bear teddy in 2016 and as you all ask questions you'll find out a little bit more about who little bear teddy is and what we do 
All right, with that, we'll open up the floor for questions. Erica uh, and Teddy, I guess. Hi, it's Josh Klein from the Riot Report. Um, I guess just to start, if you could tell us a little bit about where the idea for Little Bear Teddy came from and how, uh, how you guys um, kind of brought it to life, brought him to life, I guess. Yes, yeah, so Little Bear Teddy, um, I came up with the idea in 2016 when the real Teddy had his unfortunate injury. So I began writing while he was in the hospital and doing his uh, recovery process. I just had to have something that'll help me cope with the fact that Teddy was injured. And that's where I came up with Big Dream Come True, the first book in the Little Bear Teddy series. And that book actually, it teaches children that no matter how big your dream is, it can come to life as long as you put forth hard work and effort. Um, the second book, actually, I wrote it this past year and during the transition period. And I kind of used Teddy's story as a little bit of motivation for that one as well. Um, we all know Minnesota did not pick up his fifth year option. He was picked up by the Jets. He then got signed, um, traded to the Saints, and now he's had a huge big change where he's now a part of the Carolina Panthers. So that's where big change came from. Also, during my writing process of big change, I experienced a big change in my own where I had to have biopsies done in my thyroid. So I used him as a part of my motivation for that story as well, and I dedicated that book to him. Hey, Erica. Um, my name is Jonathan Alexander. I hope you're doing well. Thank you. Uh, what in particular, um, I guess, about Teddy's journey, um, I guess, in recovering from his injury really stood out when you were um, creating this book? So Little Bird Teddy has four core values, and those are hard work, determination, resiliency, and perseverance. And watching Teddy during his entire recovery process, not once did he ever complain, not once did he question God and ask, you know, why me? So just seeing how determined he was to make it back, how resilient he was during this whole change of going from one team to the next, how he has persevered through everything, that has been my motivation when writing both books. Hey, Erica, it's Elena Getzenberg. It's nice to meet you. Um, Hi, thank you. Um, I was wondering, you know, what's your background? You know, did you want to write, you know, books or, you know, how did you kind of get into that? Or is that just something that, you know, you wanted to write about Teddy's story specifically? So I actually have been writing since I was younger. I grew up writing poetry and I have an education background. So I'm an early childhood teacher. Um, and I know I wanted to write a book at some point and it's kind of, crazy to say, but it's like Teddy's life, not the injury itself, but just watching him <clears throat> throughout life, that's just been my biggest motivational piece. But it wasn't until his injury that I was like, okay, now I have time to actually sit and get this done. And I use him as my motivation for it. So you will find that in the book, I stick to my education background where you'll find rhythm and rhyme, repetition and words, so it kind of gears toward the children. I had a question for Teddy. Teddy, Mike Solarte, Spectrum News One. Uh, quarterbacks in general have, uh, and I say this with all due respect, you guys have big egos because you guys have to be the leaders. You guys have to be the guys, you know, in control. So are you fairly characterized as a teddy bear? Or would you prefer, would you prefer to be a different character 
and not uh, little little bear Teddy. <laughs> Man, um, at the end of the day, um, it's it's not about me. <laughs> you know, um, the character, you know, little little bear Teddy, the teddy bear itself, you know, it's just a national symbol for a lot of children across the world. And a lot of children, you know, when we were young, we all had that teddy bear that we could relate to that was our, our best friend and things like that. So, I mean, it's not about me. I don't mind being a teddy bear. Um, <laughs> if she wanted me to be an, an iguana or something like that, I would have been that. So, uh, just just so happened that my name happens to be Teddy. And little kids love teddy bears, so it's a perfect fit. And following up on that, in, in a serious mode, I mean, Erica is your friend, and you guys have a lot of history together, but to be the inspiration for somebody's books, for her to, to be published now twice, and for you to be the impetus for that, I mean, it, that's got to feel pretty special. Yeah, it's a great feeling. And, um, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, giving a person their flowers while they can still smell them. Uh, I think that's what Erica is doing, you know, with, you know, uh, the two books. And it's just great that I could be a huge, you know, inspiration to her with everything um, from her teaching to the way she impacts children, how passionate she is about that. Uh, it just means a lot to me to be you know, a huge inspiration and motivation for that. Hey, this is Deshaun with Channel 9. This question is for the both of you, and thank you for taking the time on this. Curious if you could share an example of the impact you've seen from children who've had a chance to meet Little Bear Teddy and really understand the character. You want to take it, Teddy? Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, it's just great. Um, you you run into, you know, kids. I, I, I have a good relationship with one of my former equipment managers uh, from Universal Louisville, Mike Kurowski. And... Um, his, his sons, they love Little Bear Teddy. Um, they have shirts. Uh, they have copies of the books. And it just means a lot. It's very impactful to see, you know, the support and to see the impact that you're making in their lives that, you know, they're children with dreams also. And to be able to watch me live out my dream, you know, it's huge motivation to them to dream big also and, and understand that, you know, no dream is too big. And, you know, uh, even with changes that acquire, you know, I think about Mike and his family. I met them when I was at the University of Louisville, and they've been to uh, University of Missouri, and uh, they had to relocate also. So, you know, it's, his sons had to relocate. It was a big change for them. So for, you know, me, it's, it's huge to see that, you know, the books can relate to, to everyone's life and everything that people may be going through. And just to have Mike and his family support uh, just means a lot. Hey, hey, uh, if I could just ask a, a small detail question. I hope that's all right. Um, how long have you known each other? Uh, since sophomore year, high, well, freshman year high school. You sure? Yeah, freshman year high school. <laughs> I'm just playing with you. I'm just messing with you. Erica Mike Solarte again with Spectrum News One. The uh, this is the second book, and in the uh, in the announcement, it's a series. Yes. So now we, we've, we've seen the first two. So how much are you leaning on Teddy to, to inspire a third and a fourth and a fifth and, and all those things? It, it's in the works. Um, I, I don't like to say my inspiration comes from, you know, certain events in his life. So hopefully nothing else traumatic will happen. Hopefully it'll be something 
positive along the way as we see his career take off in Carolina, but a third book is definitely on the way. Hey, Erica, what's the equivalent of a Super Bowl ring in, in Little Bear Teddy's world? Um, I would say for book one, it would be seeing that dream just come to life. And then for book two, adaptability and being resilient. So just as long as, you know, you have that goal in mind, you see it come true, that's a Super Bowl ring. And it can be a Super Bowl, Super Bowl ring for children. And then having the ability to just bounce back from anything. Because our whole goal with Little Bear Teddy, we like to relate it to life. So it doesn't matter what your Super Bowl is, just as long as you make it there. Hey, Teddy, I'm just interested, Josh Graham, by the way, Sports Up Try, is there an example where you're talking about your story in Minnesota and being traded and facing adversity, where outside the context of Little Bear Kit Teddy, you've been able to connect with somebody, a younger person who was dealing with something? Yeah. Um, I was actually on a call last week with uh, one, of, one of my former players at my high school, uh, he attends the University of Buffalo now, and uh, you know he was just talking about some adversity and some of the things that he was, <clears throat> some of the things that he was going through, and uh, I was just able to just you know, I I found myself talking about Little Bear Teddy, but at the time I wasn't aware, <laughs> so um, just I just told him, man, you know my core values, you know Erica's core values of Little Bear Teddy, and uh, it hit home with him. So uh, that was just one example. Do you did you see just a few years ago when you were going through everything you went through in Minnesota that something like this was possible where you're starting in the NFL and your likeness is being used in kids books? Yeah, um, and I credit that to Erica. Uh, she made it all possible. Um, you know, her vision and the way she sees life through a pen. You know, and and the way she's able to relate to little children as uh, very you know, motivating. So for me, it was like, man, here I am trying to bounce back from this injury years ago. And she was right there, you know, just, you know, whether it's recording videos of me dancing or having a good time or just me struggling to bend my knee, you know, she found purpose in everything that I was going through also. So throughout that time, you know, I did see, you know, a future in, you know, being used in the book. Thanks to Erica, like I said, Guys, it's Joe Person with The Athletic. Appreciate y'all doing this. Um, is COVID, are y'all planning any uh, like book signings uh, locally here in Charlotte or is that going to be, you know, tough to pull off with COVID? So we haven't discussed it yet because, of course, the health of everyone is top priority. Um, hopefully in the near future, if things do get better, we would love to have book signings. And is the website the, the best place for folks to order the book and so forth? Yes, littlebearteddy.com. One other one. I was curious if you guys could take us back to the moment where you had a copy of the very first book in your hands and could actually see it come to life. It's different when you write something on paper. You see the manuscript there. But once you actually hold the hard copy in your hand, it's like a baby. It, it's the best feeling in the world, just seeing your hard work 
actually come to life. And I know with the second book, I don't know how it felt for Teddy, but knowing that I dedicated that book to him and having his name on the dedication page, I don't know what it felt like, but I know for me, opening the page and seeing what I wrote for him, it, it's, it feels amazing. I can't even describe it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, it's a humbling feeling also, but um, it's one of those moments where you can take a second and be proud, you know, not only of yourself, but, you know, of Erica, with um, all the hard work that she put into just taking the time to write and come up with these brilliant ideas. So this is one of those deals where, you know, in the, in the house you have your enshrinement with the game balls, the jerseys and cleats, uh, this, this goes right in, in that enshrinement with those items. Hey, Teddy, this is Kelly Bardick, WCCB News. You call yourself the neighborhood hope dealer. How does this, how do these books fall in line with that? And when you, you talk about uh, having dreams and, and your dream coming true, uh, going through adversity and overcoming it, um, that that gives people hope. Um, when people can see you in the flesh, me as a person, when they can have a copy of Little Bear Teddy and be able to relate to me, uh, that's that's giving hope. And you know, all of that is possible with Erica uh, just taking the time to write and um, bring you know my dream and other little other little boys and girls' dream to life. Erica, I was wondering for you, obviously with the first book that was kind of going off Teddy's injury and that sort of thing, how did that help you or both of you kind of cope with that? Did that kind of help with, you know, what he was going through at the same time by writing it into a children's story? Yes. So actually, I like during the recovery process, I find I found myself going out in the hallway at the hospital just to get away so that I could talk to my illustrator or finalize something. So it really did help me take my mind off of the injury because people don't realize when someone close to you goes through something, it not only affects them, it affects you as well. So I just had to find a way to deal with it and cope with it. And writing, that was my way basically to um, deal with that situation. Uh, but I can say for sure turning it into a children's story, I think that it shows children, of course, that no matter what you go through, you can overcome it and you can set your goals and make them come to life. Do we have any more questions uh, for Teddy or Erica? Bruce, I just have one, one for Erica. You just talked about how that was kind of a coping mechanism and and kind of helping you get through it. But now that you've, you've got two books done and you've seen the journey that Teddy's gone on from just the personal standpoint, not even the writing side of it, from the personal standpoint, what can you say about your friend Teddy after what he's gone through and, and where he is now and, and all, you know, and the road traveled to this point? So. I, I, that wasn't the intent of the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> Give me a second. I'm sorry. Ooh. 
Teddy is one of the strongest people that I know. Um, in, in more ways than one. Watching him in high school, not even knowing that he would make it to where he is now. Um, seeing everything that he had to endure in 2016 and just being there for every step of it and watching him overcome it. He has truly been my biggest, biggest motivation. And a lot of times when I go through things, I think about his story and what he had to endure. And that helps me get through it. And I spoke about how last year I had, a, I found a nodule in my thyroid and I had to undergo two biopsies for it. And I had to remember Teddy never once had, he never complained about his situation. He never questioned God. So I had to use him as my motivational piece so that I could get through my health scare as well. And I look up to Teddy so much in so many ways. And I know that children around the world will use his story in the same light to look up to him as well. I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get you that emotional. I apologize. No, it's okay.